1: SaskAg Today
0: with Doug Faulkner.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to SaskAg Today. Coming up on today's program, the East Central Research Foundation and Suncrest College in Yorkton have taken part in another research project. The Agra Arm sites tested the efficacy of foliar applied nitrogen fixing bacteria like Utricia and Invita on wheat and canola. We'll hear from Research Coordinator Mike Hall on what happened. Saskatchewan feeder and heiferweight categories that had enough data to report on showed prices were mostly up last week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats will join us on today's program. And a weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. We'll have that as well. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Sask Ag Today. But first, it's time for your agriculture outlook with precision weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka. Your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's bright and sunny here in the Yorkton area today. Uh, pretty big change from yesterday's snow but of course we still have those chilly temperatures.
0: Yeah and and the temperatures really are our big concern now. We don't have extreme cold warnings in effect for here. There are a few for the northwestern parts of the province uh, but we do have temperatures that will be comparable. The difference uh, between wind chills below minus 40 and especially extended periods below minus 40 which triggers those warnings and minus 38 to minus 40 for a shorter time is well nothing. As far as uh, exposure goes, it's dangerous either way. You just get a little bit of extra time where it's not um, in, a, an immediate risk. So still, whether it's minus 38 with the windchill or minus 42 with the wind chill, bundle up and try to avoid uh, being on that for too long. The good news is it's not an extended period tonight. We get down uh, the last couple of hours of the night. We'll get into that coldest reading. Most of the time, we're in the minus 30s. And then tomorrow, we begin a rise. And that rise will likely continue, maybe a, a brief blip downward Wednesday evening, but generally rising right through Thursday. So that by the time we get to uh, Thursday afternoon, we're about 20 degrees warmer than we are this afternoon. And we're at minus 19 today. So a nice recovery. Tonight, minus 29 for the low. Uh, there'll be some thicker cloud cover at times. The night average is partly cloudy. It's basically uh, a few hours where the cloudiness thickens up. And there may even be an odd flurry from that. Tomorrow, partly sunny sky, minus 17, uh, the wind not uh, too strong, but enough to keep the wind chill in the minus 20s through the afternoon, even in minus 30 for a while. And as I mentioned, that uh, rising temperature Wednesday night up to one degree with a mostly sunny sky on Thursday. You know, for a, for a one-day transition, we would expect, uh, I would expect, I don't know what you would expect, I would expect a little more... On an active day, it will be a little bit breezy, but uh, certainly we've seen stronger winds, 20 to 35, and it's going to be bright and sunny. So really a nice day in the middle of this generally cooler pattern. Back down to minus 2 on Friday, partly sunny sky, and then a bit of light snow comes in for Saturday night and Sunday. Temperatures will be down a bit, uh, particularly Sunday and likely some cool air lingering into Monday. But as, as we've seen with most of these cool downs, it is not an Arctic cold. It's just uh, fairly cold and, and a brief cool down at that, but there will be likely some accumulating snow from uh, late Saturday night through Sunday and even lingering into Monday.
1: That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw and Roblin are at minus 22 degrees, Swan River and Shoal Lake-Russell minus 21, Dauphin minus 20, Brandon minus 19. Regina and Broadview-Mooseman are at minus 22. Saskatoon-Winyard-Wadena-Kelvington, minus 24. Hudson Bay, minus 21. Indian Head, minus 23. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 63% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 22 degrees, with the wind chill it feels more like minus 32 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 3 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 19 degrees. Environment Canada claims we had 2.2 millimeters of water-equivalent precipitation in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. I think it was a little more than that. The normal high for this date is -6 degrees, the normal low is -17 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7:39 this morning and it will set at 6:27 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Gretna at +6 degrees. The cold spot was Thompson. At minus 35 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus 8 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus 35 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. Saskag today will continue in one minute's time. Welcome back to Saskag today. The East Central Research Foundation and Suncrest College in Yorkton have taken part in another research project. The Agra arm sites tested the efficacy of foliar-applied nitrogen-fixing bacteria like Eutritia and Envita on wheat and canola. Research Coordinator Mike Hall says the research took place across the province.
2: This project is led by Iyerharff out of Indian Head and the other Agriarm sites are participating in the study. The Wheat Project is sponsored by Sask Wheat and the Canola Project is supported by Sask Canola. Both trials are evaluating the efficacy of spraying in Vita and Nutritia. These products are biologicals and are purported to enter the plant and fix nitrogen. Now the companies are not suggesting that the use of these products can eliminate the need for applying nitrogen fertility. It's not the same as applying an inoculant to a legume, for example. Instead, the products are purported to help supply that little bit of extra nitrogen to help finish the plant during an extended grain-filling period, when nitrogen may be in short supply. Syngenta Canada is a supplier for Invita, and Nutrucha is being supplied by Corteva. In this study, both products were applied as a foliar application at the 4-6 leaf stage for both crops. The companies recommend that the products are applied between 10-30 to 30 degrees Celsius, preferably early in the morning when the stomata are open and plants are actively growing. These products have been used in the states on corn, but there isn't a lot of third party data for these products on wheat and canola in Saskatchewan. Now, Let's go see what we observed in our study. Here are the eight Agriarm locations that participated in the study that was supported by Sustainable Cap, Sask Wheat and Sask Canola. Our locations include Redvers, Indianhead, Yorkton, Melfort, Prince Albert, Scott, Outlook Under Irrigation, and Swift Current. The wheat trial was set up as a factorial combination of three levels of infertility and three foliar treatments. The low level of 50 kilograms of N per hectare was not possible at four of the locations due to high levels of residual soil N. So at Melfort, Prince Albert, Swift Current, and Yorkton, the lowest rates of N were actually 59, 76, 56, and 62 kilograms per hectare, respectively. In Vita, Utricia, along with an untreated control, were the foliar treatments. These were applied at the 4 to 6 leaf stage in at least 10 US gallons of non-chlorinated water. Treatments were very similar for the canola trials, however each target rate of N fertility was 10 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare higher than those for the wheat trials. The lowest rate of N was exceeded at 3 of the locations, at Melfort, Prince Albert and Yorkton. The low N level was actually 7197 and 68 kilograms of N per hectare respectively. Here we're looking at the canola sites where yield was responsive to increasing N. Prince Albert and Scott are not depicted here as these sites were unresponsive to added N. Swift current also had to be eliminated due to severe hail damage. So these are the canola sites that we're going to focus on to determine if Utricia or Envita are providing any benefits. Here are the wheat sites that were responsive to added N. Prince Albert, Swift Current, and Yorkton were excluded from the combined analysis due to no end response whatsoever at Prince Albert, severe hail damage at Swift Current, and unusually high variability at Yorkton. Our discussion will focus on these wheat sites. Turning back to canola, here are the main effects of product on canola yield. Product A is Envita, and product B is Utritia. UTC stands for Untreated Control. Neither product produced a canola yield that was significantly different from the untreated control. However, at Outlook, NVITA product A, did produce a canola yield that was higher than nutritia product B. However, I'd file this difference under random variation. While there was no nitrogen by product interaction, we're still going to look at the effect of nitrogen fertility by product when averaged over site. Just to confirm, that neither product significantly affected yield, regardless of the background level of N fertility. Okay, but what about seed protein of the canola? I know producers don't usually care about the protein content of their canola, but this is another way to detect any N benefits coming from either product. Unfortunately, protein measurements were missed at Outlook, but values from the remaining sites revealed that seed protein did increase significantly with increasing N fertility. However, seed protein was unaffected by applying either Envita or Eutritia. Again, there was no N-fertility by product interaction as product did not affect canola seed protein, regardless of the background level of N-fertility. Switching back to wheat, we saw a very similar situation unfold, neither in Vita or Utricia affected wheat yield relative to the untreated control at any of these N-responsive sites. No seed yield differences between products were detected regardless of the background level of N-fertility. While increasing N-fertility significantly increased wheat seed protein, neither InVita or Utricia increased wheat seed protein at any responsive site. And again, this was true regardless of the background level of N-fertility. Conclusions. For the majority of canola and wheat trials in this study, significant increases in yield and seed protein were detected as N fertility was increased. However, regardless of the background N fertility, neither Utricia or Envita further increased yield or seed protein for either canola or wheat at sites that were responsive to added nitrogen. Environment may affect the efficacy of these products. Producers who wish to experiment with these products should leave multiple check strips in order to properly assess their performance.
1: Mike Hall is the Research Coordinator for the East Central Research Foundation and Sudcrest College based in Yorkton. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report and that's a presentation of Bumper to Bumper in Langenburg and Rokenville, your Auto Parts Professionals. Let them find the parts no one else can. Open 8 to 6, Monday to Saturday. Call 306-743-2332. Beef and Forage Report. The Canadian cattle herd has fallen to its lowest level in more than 30 years. Statistics Canada reports on January 1st, There were 11.1 million cattle and calves on farms, down 2.1% from the previous year. That's the lowest number since 1989. Drought conditions and tight feed supplies, along with good prices, resulted in more breeding stock going to feedlots. Canadian cattle producers held 0.7% fewer feeder heifers and 3% fewer calves compared with January 1st, 2023. The flow of cattle between Canada and the United States ended up in our favour last year. StatsCan says imports of live cattle dropped nearly 26% to 153,400, while international exports rose 14% to a little over 389,000. Average warm carcass weight has increased 18% over the past 25 years, which has helped offset the decline in beef production. Here in Saskatchewan, there were 2,042,000 head on all beef cattle operations on January 1st. That's a 3.3% decrease, or 70,000 declined from January 1st one year ago, It's a steeper decline of nearly 4.5% on cow-calf operations. There were 1,751,000 head at the start of the year, down 82,500 from January 1, 2023. Part of that can be attributed to the number of Saskatchewan farms reporting cattle and calves. On January 1, it was 12,835 or 275 fewer than the same time one year ago. The average number of cattle and calves per farm reporting was fairly steady at 163, down only two head from the previous year. And that's the Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River GX 94 AG Review. the Prairie Oat Growers Association is pushing back against allegations that Canadian Oats are contaminated with chemicals from a plant growth regulator Brad Betker Poga Chair and a farmer from east of Edmonton said a recent study from the Environmental Working Group or EWG is fear-mongering to raise doubts about the safety of oats. Canadians and other consumers who are worried about oats should consider who funds the EWG and the group's agenda. He says they are definitely a pro-organic activist organization. The EWG study was on oats and Klormaquat, a plant growth regulator marketed as manipulator. Some Canadian farmers apply Klormaquat to oats and other cereal crops to decrease the height of plants and reduce the risk of lodging. Speculators continued to add to their record large net short position in canola in mid-February, showing little sign of moving to the other side of the market anytime soon. That's according to the latest commitments of traders report from the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of February 20th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 149,049, which was up by roughly 1,500 contracts from the former record hit just the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 300,800 contracts, which was down by 7,902 on the week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, the net short position in soybeans increased by about 2,300 contracts on the week at about one hundred twenty six thousand seven hundred contracts farmers yesterday blocked a border crossing between Poland and Germany threw bottles at police in Brussels and gathered in Madrid to demand action on cheap supermarket prices and what they say is unfair competition from abroad agricultural ministers from across the European Union pledged to do more to cut red tape and help farmers as they convened in Brussels to discuss the crisis in the sector after weeks of angry protests. The 27-nation EU has already weakened some parts of its flagship Green Deal environmental policies, removing a goal to cut farming emissions from its 2040 climate roadmap. But farmers are demanding more. On the margins of the Brussels rally riot police fired water cannons at protesters throwing bottles and eggs while about nine hundred tractors jammed parts of the belgian capital not far from the cordoned off area where ministers were meeting trade ministers from around the world gathered in abu dhabi yesterday for a world trade organization meeting that aims to set new global commerce rules but its chief and delegates sought to curb expectations The almost 30-year-old global watchdog, whose rules underpin 75% of global commerce, tries to strike deals by consensus, but such efforts are becoming more difficult amid signs that the global economy is fragmenting into separate blocks. The chief called on ministers to roll up their sleeves and complete negotiations, but seemed to rule out any deal in Abu Dhabi on reforming the body's mothballed appeals court. Some delegates privately voiced concerns that India's trade minister, seen as the main holdout on some key issues, including agriculture, was absent on Monday, although New Delhi said he would be in Abu Dhabi today. A frozen Arctic vault built to preserve global agricultural crops from extinction received seeds today from the largest number of new contributors yet. The Svalbard Global Seed Vault set in permafrost caves on an island halfway between mainland Europe and the North Pole, was launched in 2008 as the ultimate backup for the world's gene banks to protect plants from war, disease and climate change. The vault has received samples from across the world and played an essential role between 2015 and 2019 in rebuilding seed collections damaged during the war in Syria, 23 seed banks took part, nine of them for the first time, the largest number of newcomers introduced at one single occasion. The crates arriving contained crops such as beans, barley, cowpea, maize, rice, millet, and sorghum. And Saskag today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose SaskEgg today. And yes, it is free. And that's the egg review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. SaskEgg today will continue right after these messages. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April trading at 187.65 this afternoon. That's down 45. June live cattle trading at 183.52. Down 57. April feeder cattle trading at 258.75. Down 15. May feeder cattle trading at 261 even. Down 57. April, lean hogs trading at 86.07, down 20. May, lean hogs trading at 90.35, down 40. And that's the livestock market conditions. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission.
3: U.S. wheat futures finished the week mixed last week. Chicago was slightly higher, while the hard wheat contracts were lower. As far as some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets last week, we'll start in Canada, where week 29 exports were relatively small, at 288,000 tons. The year-to-date total as of week 29 is 11.8 million tons, which is still 8% ahead of last year. Deliveries in week 29 were large, with producers adding 552,000 tons of wheat into the Canadian elevator system, which caused visible supplies to rise to 2.6 million tons. All that to say, we expect that exports will continue to be strong in the short term, although they will need to slow. For Canadian Durham, Durham exports in week 29 were lower than last week's at 68.7 thousand tons. This yields a season total of 1.8 million tons, which is 40% less than last year, and in line with the AAFC's current expected pace. When looking ahead at the 24-25 season and what we may export then, The AAFC projects exports at 4.3 million tons, which is in line with the average volume. Breaking the exports down by destination, however, shows that we will be hard pressed to reach that volume. The big unknown is Turkey and whether they will have a similar export program as last year and take a large portion of Italian and Tunisian demand. So how is the Turkish durum crop looking like for this upcoming season? Well, I'm glad you asked. Although it is quite early in the season, vegetation and moisture data indicate that the Turkish wheat crop, which was planted in October to December, is off to a strong start. Vegetation imagery in central Anatolia and southeast Anatolia, which are some of the key provinces for durum cultivation in Turkey, are both well ahead of. Last year and the average harvest in of the Turkish wheat crop happens in June and July, so we will keep our eye on developments there. All right, over to the US. US weekly commercial sales were well below trade expectations at 233,500 tons. Total commitments are now 17.8 million tonnes, which is 6% ahead of last year and remains ahead of the USDA's forecast for a 4.5% decline. Mild temperatures in the US central plains are allowing the winter wheat crop to break dormancy earlier than normal. There were some showers, but the central plains were largely dry. There was some snowfall in the northern streets, which will add to water reserves there. In Australia, Australian exports remain slow, even with the return of the Asian market from their holidays. With planting just a few months away, the country has strong soil moisture in the east, but will need rain in the west before their planting program begins. For Argentina, farmer sales in Argentina now stand at 7.6 million tonnes. Exporters own 7.4 million tonnes of the total volume. For Indian wheat, Official data shows wheat stocks in India are at a seven-year low at 16.4 million tonnes as of January 1st. While global wheat prices were falling, wheat prices in India rose, prompting the Indian government to sell large volumes of state reserves to battle food inflation. With the country in an election year, the government will likely continue to sell state reserves rather than allow for an export program. This will cause the stocks to continue to shrink until harvest starts in March. The government pro- procurement program begins in May. India's government, which is prone to overestimating its wheat crop, is forecasting another record wheat crop for the upcoming season at 114 million tons. Their current estimate for the current crop is and. 12 million tons, which most analysts think is about 10% too high. In the European Union, there was some short covering on the Matif milling wheat futures at the start of the week, but this dried up. French wheat is being supported by a healthy export lineup. The French Prime Minister is looking to appease protesting farmers with a new Egalum law. The new law is a price fixing scheme that is supposed to improve production cost indicators. From the current law, EU wheat exports are 21.7 million tonnes, down 5% from last year, but this gap has been closing in recent weeks. Imports of 7.7 million tonnes are 8% above last year. Western European winter wheat crops continue to struggle from excess moisture. French crop ratings are 69% good to excellent, and crop growth is poor, although we note there's often a poor correlation between European crop conditions and the final yield, but we will keep an eye on this. In the Black Sea wheat, the Russian winter wheat crop is in very strong condition. Russian analysts raise their forecast for the upcoming wheat crop by 1.4 million tons to 93.6 million tons. Russian wheat stocks as of February 1st were reported to be 19.9 million tons, which is the highest on record for that time frame. The large stocks and large potential new crop are putting pressure on the market as the country has lots of old crop to move before harvest begins. As far as some of the cash trade that took uh, place last week, we heard of two sales, Uh, one to Jordan, bought another 50,000 tons of optional origin grain, and we note that this costed $12.50 per ton less than what they paid last week on a CNF basis. Japan also bought 116,000 tons of US, Canadian, and Australian wheat in their weekly tender. In other news, Minneapolis speculative traders have a 24,200 contract net short in Minneapolis as of February 20th. This is slightly lower, a 400 contracts lower than their net short in the previous week. Danish farmers are concerned about the impact of the government's new carbon scheme. Uh, It is estimated that the new scheme or tax would cause agricultural production in the country to fall as much as 20%. Danish agriculture is said to produce one third of the country's carbon emissions, which has made it made the industry a lightning rod for climate policy. Protesting Polish farmers have blocked most of the entry ports from Ukraine and have reportedly been opening cars of Ukrainian grain. It's their rail cars, spilling the contents onto the tracks. Polish farmers continue to be upset about cheap Ukrainian grain imports depressing local values. As far as the other grains, the corn market continues to struggle and futures markets continue to march lower. Although demand for U.S. corn remains strong, There are large crops being produced in South America, although large shorts are also in place, which make them vulnerable to a weather scare. Right now, it does not seem like there is one shaping up. As far as the wheat outlook goes, Russia still has wheat to sell and is lowering the world price as the EU and Russia need to reduce their stocks. Wheat needs to fight for feed demand as well as milling demand. Meanwhile, the funds have a record short at a time when prices have now fallen below the cost of production for growers in some areas. Either costs will need to go down or the markets need to go higher. As far as our recommendations, we would be fully sold of our Durham crop and look for selling opportunities
1: in old crop wheat, but we're not going to panic here yet. That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture, in Winnipeg. It's time now for your commodities update that comes up right after these messages. Commodities Update Canola futures are trading down in the nearby months this afternoon. May canola trading at 588.20 down 10 cents. July canola trading at 595.10 that's also down Ten cents may Minneapolis wheat trading at six fifty nine per bushel that's up six and a quarter cents may Kansas City wheat trading at five eighty six per bushel up nine and a half cents may Chicago wheat trading at five eighty two and three quarters up eight cents may corn trading at four twenty two and a half up one cent. May soybeans trading at eleven forty and a quarter, down five cents. May oats trading at three hundred sixty five per bushel, that's up two cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned, Saskag Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Saskatchewan feeder and heifer weight categories that had enough data to report on showed prices were mostly up last week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats says most of the steer prices were up and only one heifer weight category was down.
4: The feeder cattle market continues to be strong. Saskatchewan steers ranged from 427.50 per hundredweight for the 5 to 600-pound category, and down to 313 per hundredweight for the 8 to 900-plus pound category. Uh, average category prices were between unchanged and up to 1167 above the prior week, and that was for the 6 to 700-pound steers. Saskatchewan feeder heifers ranged from four oh two thirty three per hundredweight for the four to five hundred pound category to two eighty six fifty for the eight hundred plus pound category. The largest gain was in the five to six hundred pound heifers, which increased seven hundred forty-eight above the prior week. And the eight to nine hundred pound heifers were actually down one ninety-two per hundredweight compared to the prior week.
1: Feed prices and recent moisture are driving the current feeder market trend.
4: While well, we're seeing lower feed prices, and the futures market as well as seasonal demand are all supporting feeder, the feeder market. Some areas have also seen improved moisture, which has helped with the demand for grass cattle.
1: There were less cattle marketed in Saskatchewan last week compared to the previous week.
4: There were 9,153 feeder cattle marketed over the week ending February 23rd, and this is down compared to the 12,347 head we've seen the previous
1: week. Prices for live non-fed cattle in Alberta were up, but data for Alberta-fed steers was limited. Well,
4: due to a limited cash trade, the Cadfax price for Alberta fed steers was unavailable on February 23rd, but the last price was at 2.1973 dollars per hundredweight, and that was for the week ending February 16th. Prices of Alberta cows were up over the previous week on February 23rd. The price of D2 cows averaged one forty four ten per hundredweight. This was up just 10 cents over the previous week. And the price of D3 cows was up 141 per hundred weight from the previous week to average 128.97 for the week.
1: Fonda Froats is a provincial cattle specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture Farm Bulletin Board. The Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is holding another Parkland Learning Event. It's coming up Wednesday, March 20th, from. 9 a.m. till 10.30 a.m. at the Community Futures Ventures Office at 204 Smith Street East here in Yorkton. You must RSVP by March 18th to Denise at philipchuckmanagement.com. There will be a panel discussion on farm financial planning. Monty Taphorn has been working with TD Bank since 1999 in various roles within Agriculture Services. Monty is a Relationship Manager with TD Yorkton Agriculture Services. His current position as a Relationship Manager in the area focuses on helping farm and agribusiness customers and prospects reach their financial goals. Using a suite of specialized financial products and services, he can tailor competitive lending solutions to match the requirements of your farm or agribusiness. Monty understands agriculture and the specific needs of cattle operations, supply managed operations and cash crop operations. From day-to-day financing of working capital machinery, equipment, quota or real estate requirements, he can help you choose products and services that best meet your unique agriculture, dairy or cash crop business needs. Monty has been around farming his entire life as his grandparents ran a dairy, cow-calf, and cropping operation. He used to spend his entire summer working on the farm, and he loved every minute of it. Also, Philip Chuck Management Incorporated CEO Denise Philip Chuck will be one of the panelists, and she developed a keen interest for agriculture on the family farm in the Swan River Valley of western Manitoba. So she will be one of the speakers as well. That's coming up. On Wednesday, March 20th, here in Yorkton. It's now one o'clock. Time for your GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny. Winds northwest at 15 to 30. A high of minus 19, a wind chill of minus 28. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds west at 10 to 20. Low of minus 29, a wind chill near minus 40. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds south-southeast at 10 to 20. A high of minus 17, a wind chill of minus 25. An overnight low of minus 19 and rising. For Thursday, sunny. Winds east-southeast at 20 to 35, and a high of plus 1. For Friday, partly sunny, a high of minus 2. Saturday, mainly cloudy with a 40% chance of evening snow, and a high of minus 12. In the Paw and Roblin, it's minus 22 degrees. Swan River and Shoal Lake-Russell are at minus 21. Dauphin, minus 20. Brandon, minus 19. Regina and Broadview are at minus 22 degrees. Saskatoon and Winyard-Wadena-Kelvington, minus 24. Hudson Bay, minus 21. Indian Head, minus 23. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 15 kilometers an hour, is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 22 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 32 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today. for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.